Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Twenty eighteen, huh? It's here. Dawn of a new era. Is it? Yes, yeah, so it's <laughs> new millennium. It's like I start my millenniums on the eighteenth year. Oh, um, right. I have a lag. So. Happy time oh. year. It's a religious thing, you know. Okay, okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand. No judgments. Uh, so, what's going on for Studio Neat in twenty eighteen? Uh, let's see. We have a. We have. Two to three products planned out, mm. um, and we're working on those. Is is one of them the one that our members know about? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Yeah. That'll be the first one. Okay. That'll be the first one, okay. and we're working on a video for that now, so Ooh. that'll be a Kickstarter, so um, I don't know when, but pr- probably pretty soon, so that's good. That'll be interesting. Um, and yeah, so we have some other stuff coming down the pike. We'll see how that goes. We always have grand plans. Are you going to make me my chi charger yet? When's my chi charger? <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, that okay. is one that is like maybe a maybe. So we'll see. We don't have any, you know, final plans for that. But mm-hmm. so yeah, we got some stuff going on. And then we, um, we're ma- we're trying out a couple new structural things with the company, so that's uh, kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, we can talk about that stuff. What about you, Mike? What uh, what is it, what does twenty eighteen look like for you guys? Well, when it comes to the business, it's kind of just like continuing twenty seventeen. We had a we had a good year. Uh-huh. Twenty seventeen was was very good mm-hmm. to us, um, and we want to keep doing what we did, like keep the growth the way it was and revenue growth was good and down the number growth was good and all that kind of stuff. But we have, like you, projects. We have projects in the works and uh, we want to see if we can maybe make some different stuff this year to, to what we typically make just to see what that might end up looking like. You mean like. different kind of content or different kind of media? Different kind of content, different kind of formats. Um, we branched out a little bit, uh, but maybe it wasn't far enough. Um, you know, we we branched out in topic, but formats were, were mostly the same. Um, uh-huh. so now we're thinking about like playing around with some different formats as well. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of a a focus maybe for the first six months, and then we'll reassess and move on from there. But just from the case of the business, the business is is solid and kind of that that was that was one of my key things for 2017 was to get the foundations of the business solid and i'm pretty happy with that Hmm. i have a question for you mike okay go ahead um the so you guys had i saw on this uh newsletter congratulations on that by the way thank you uh, that you had great growth uh in 2017 how much of that do you attribute to just the uh kind of podcasts as an industry growing in general and how much of that would you say is like specific things that you guys did to grow the business and if the latter like what what things did did you do in 2017 that you thought were successful and like contributed towards your growth oh boy uh so i think it's all of it 
Um, I think that we grew as a business because the industry has grown. Um, mm -hmm. But I also think that we have just had a solid year um, as a business. And like, so there are more eyes and, or ears, I should say, than ever, like focused <laughs> on the industry, right? Which is bringing more people in. Um, and we have kind of just remained pretty steady through the year. So that has helped bring people in, right? Like we, we've kind of, well, I think we've had good content this year, right? Like across the mm -hmm. entire stables have been happy with that. Um, but then, you know, part of the growth is revenue and that has come from a confidence that I have gotten over the last 12 months um, mm -hmm. in my and our, abil our abilities to do the business. So the advertising. Um, and so just so, asking for higher rates, basically? Yeah. Is that, what, is that partly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, it, there is there is a mix of uh, we can charge more because we have more listeners and. Uh, a, a, an increased popularity in our shows with advertisers has resulted in a scarcity. So we've been able to increase rates because we have more interest than we've ever had, right? Mm, um, so cool. it's like a supply and demand thing. And and that is like, yeah. there's been pockets of that throughout the year and there's pockets of it based on different shows. Um, but I think that the underpinnings of this is that there is more focus than there ever has been. But we have like just stuck to our guns, and we've not done anything wild. And I think that that has made us pretty, pretty strong. And also, just like we've been doing this for long enough now, like I think I have some pretty good ideas about what works and what doesn't work. And I've been more confident in my kind of gut feelings about how we grow mm. stuff. Wait, will it be four years in the summer or three yeah, years? Four. Four? Four. Yeah, we started in 2014, August 2014. Congrats. Thank you. So, yeah, this, uh, we're referring to this Neiman Lab uh, article thing that we'll, well put in okay. show notes. Yeah, so, so I should just say this. The article that is on Neiman Lab uh, is a republishing <laughs> of a newsletter called Hot Pod, which is uh, an industry, a podcast industry newsletter. So the article reads like a newsletter because it is one. Uh, and our piece is about halfway down. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, this is like just like a republishing of a industry newsletter that if you are interested in the podcast industry, um, I recommend subscribing. It's free. They they have a members thing too, so you get an extra. Uh, but I like Hot Pod. It's, it's good. But so in here, you're talking about just like a revenue growth percentage and stuff. And it mentions, or you mentioned, because it's quoting you, uh, several times that you have like growth targets. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we want to grow by, you know, 20% in 2018. Uh, like, how do you arrive at that? <laughs> like, like a growth, like how, how, where does that come from? Or is it literally just, oh, 20% seems like a good goal? Like, Well, we were 20% above the year previous. So okay, that's so you're just like, set. let's just keep going. Yeah. So like uh, in 2017, I had a monetary goal that I wanted to hit. So like there was an amount of money that I wanted uh -huh. to make and we made that. So that was that goal. This year, I the goal is to match last year's growth. It's not about mm -hmm. like an ultimate figure. Um, we just want to continue like with the growth figure. Um, 
Does that make sense? So like, it's effectively the same thing, but like in twenty in twenty seventeen, it wasn't like oh, we weren't thinking about making twenty percent more than we made in twenty sixteen. It was just like a specific number I wanted to hit, and then I was like, okay, we did that, so maybe that should just be our base figure every year, right? We just keep going up by twenty percent every year, like, and see where that leads. All of this stuff is just like. We just pull it out of nothing, right? Like, because we don't... Mm-hmm. <laughs> these goals, they're just goals me and Stephen want. Like, there's nobody that we need to yeah. promise this to, right? So, like, we just, like, oh, it would be cool if we could do this. Like, really, all we need to do is just continue making basically the exact same amount of money and we'll be fine, right? Because then everyone, mm-hmm. then nobody loses any money. Like, that's like, all we need to do. And, like, we even have wiggle room in there, right? But we just like to make up goals because it's fun right like because then it's like (laughs) if we can meet that like that feels really good and then we feel great and then it's like oh look how great you know what i mean it's like we just we -hmm. just set them because we put on our big business pants and like we are like (laughs) oh let's let's look at our revenue projections it's just we don't have to do it but we want to do it like and the reason what i'm just like we and we are in the same boat we have no investors like no one is demanding this of us yeah we just mm-hmm. want to see if we can do it because it is a success for us like then we're like oh excellent like so, we did a great so job. why but like why top line revenue and not like engagement or something or like you know uh yeah like engagement basically or like you know i don't, I don't know what metrics you can exactly track downloads but, you know, that we sort would of download well yeah like downloads per show or something or you know or repeat downloads or something because ultimately, we're just trying to make a living, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, but like it's you know we're trying to make money well, for ourselves and money for everybody else. So, yeah, like you can you can quadruple the download numbers, but that doesn't necessarily bring you a revenue increase. Or yeah, change. but more revenue doesn't necessarily mean uh, better business for the long term. You know what I mean? Like it's a tricky. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not even really trying to challenge you or anything, but it's no, just, no, I just I think it. it's interesting. Like the 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 goals you set really, you know, like influence everything, and uh, it's just interesting. Uh, so I say we have we have some goals that are not related to overall network or even show specific download numbers, but like we have like we want to bring in a new show that has X amount of downloads or whatever, right? And then that uh-huh. would bring up the overall figure. But really, right now, it's kind of just like just do more downloads like i don't really have a a figure on that so much because i have found that for me right now where we are that that is not as important because i know this sound i don't know i don't know if this is the right thing to say but like just with where i'm focused on right now it is more work i think to get people to pay you more money right like that is hard that is a challenge that is a significant challenge i mean it's not easy to get more listeners either but it's like i feel like i can affect change on the business side where i kind of can't affect change that's a better way of putting it actually on the rates like on the rates side on the on the listeners like it is way harder for me to personally make a change to find another ten thousand listeners to a specific show but Uh i can negotiate 
rates oh, and find new sponsors, right? Like I have an ability to make an effect to the business side much, much more easily than I do from the audience side. Because it's super mm-hmm. hard to find new listeners to a show, right? And like I, I can't negotiate with people to get them to listen, right? Like I can't, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to start like emailing people and being like, hey. I was, I was going to ask, uh, have you considered or tried any like outreach or advertising? And like speci- this is kind of a specific minor example, but like the, uh, the advertising in the uh, Overcast podcast app seems like something that is yep. you know available yeah we tried it and it and it worked for us um but we've decided that we're going to use that as a way to promote a new like new shows right it's like as a way to try and get the word out about brand new shows as opposed to trying to advertise existing ones um mm-hmm. i think that it's just that the download number part is is kind of fine and like it manages itself by and large, right? Like, it, you just conti- continue to make good content. At the scale that we're at right now, the shows, if they continue to be good, then the numbers remain the same or increase. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't take day-to-day management from me and Steven for everyone on that, right? Because that's kind of, that feels like a difficult task. But the, the the sales, the ad sales take a day-to-day management. So like that's just where my focus is because there's only so much we can tackle. And with the download numbers continuing to grow without us really doing anything specific, then I'm kind of good with that for now. If we start to stall, then 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 that's another situation, right? Yeah. So the so the growth comes from new products and uh, trying to uprate like ad rates basically Th- like those that's where the growth comes from do you mean uh from revenue yeah like yeah, yeah. your growth your revenue growth yeah, yeah yeah new new companies and uh being able to put up prices for popular shows is kind of is kind mm-hmm. of where that comes from but i mean having new shows having more new shows that can take advertising is another way to do it um, yeah, but that yeah, wasn't our. That wasn't what we focused on in 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 2017. Uh, we only yeah. launched four shows in the whole year, which, um, considering we have well, for you that that's not a lot. Yeah, we have like 25 shows or something like that, and we're four years old, right? So like four. Yeah, you can kind of do the math. Wasn't that many? Um, and mm-hmm. we only currently so have advertising. <laughs> yeah, we have advertising on one, and we're just starting to put advertising on another of those. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't necessarily. Like the growth that we saw was just growth from the existing portfolio. Cool. Look at all uh, this business talk. I wasn't I mean, expecting to be grilled. I We're was doing like, it. You know. <laughs> you you did great, Mike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You passed. Thank you. So We're much. gonna let you into our secret CEO club now. Ooh, look at me. All right, I want to turn the table back around now because I don't know. I don't know what just happened for the last fifteen minutes. I don't. I don't know how we got there, uh, but we got there. Um, so what it what's aside from new products uh what's going on is there anything behind the scenes that is changing yeah we're trying a couple new things um the first is uh we're trying out having more of a schedule uh and this this is a little bit strange i think we 
uh, it's weird. I, I think we were influenced a little bit by like uh, base camp and but it ended we we ended up doing something that is just not like that at all. But I think they have this kind of like six week uh, sprint. It's schedule. like a six week, two week like sprint working thing where you do these like little projects and you have them like within that time period. And then you have like a cleanup week to like kind of refine what you built. And it's just like way of working that works really well for them. So we, you know, asked ourselves, maybe we should do something like that. Well, and talking to Sean Block, I mean, I I was mm-hmm. inspired. Mm-hmm. Like he does a eight week cycle thing too. And talking to him, I was like more convinced that we like we should at least yeah. explore it. I think. Yeah, and I and I think that's how that's where he got yeah. his yeah. influence from as well. Um, and so, but we what we ended up trying is really not that. Uh, but what we're doing is uh eight weeks on and then a week and then eight weeks and then a week and those weeks alternate between uh something we don't have a good name for but what we're calling now is just like a catch-all week which is uh a dedicated week to take care of the things that we we have either deprioritized or been putting off. So like a, a really good example is the episode we recorded a couple times ago uh, about all the like email marketing stuff. <laughs> uh, it's like that would be a good week to be like, hey, for this week, let's spend time like making our email confirmation, like the order confirmation emails better uh, so that we can, you know, potentially have a better conversation with the customers and, you know, maybe they sign up for a newsletter or whatever. Um, so like these mini projects that for whatever reason we've deprioritized or they just get pushed to the back burner because we're working on these projects, uh, just give them a chance Mm -hmm. to who like have dedicated time to do that. Um, so that is, that is like every other week in between the eight weeks. And then the other week is just straight up vacation uh, where we just don't work. And uh, this was, uh, I mean, there's probably many influences. Uh, One of them was probably like, I don't know, like the Stefan Sagmeister, like sabbatical idea where it's just like good in general. I mean, his is much more radical. Uh, But uh, this idea of having like breaks uh, to kind of recharge and, uh, and it, you know, could potentially help the work you're doing by having these breaks. But I think perhaps more importantly, it was just the idea of taking a step back and just kind of asking ourselves what, you know, we, this is our company. We can do whatever we want to do. Like huh. what this is an incredible privilege, incredible freedom. Like what, what kind of lives do we want to have? What kind of work life balance do we want to have? Um, and so this is this was just like one idea is let's just try this for a year and see how it goes. So uh, so this will be the, an interesting experiment. The plan is to try it for an entire year, like straight from the outset, you're like a whole year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we I think if we in a couple of months decide we want to change up the like formula, I think we totally would. I don't think we're, you know, like, oh, we got to do it for a year and then see. I would guess that we're like flexible. We haven't even talked about that, but yeah, I mean, we're flexible. yeah, we have it. We have it kind of like charted out for the year, like which weeks will be which sessions. You've already planned that. That's already done. Yep. 
Yeah, it was, okay. it was just, you know, kind of just spacing it out to make sure mm-hmm. everything was kind of even. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's if, if, if it's a total nightmare, we'll just ditch it. Uh, but we so we actually started the year with a with a catch all week, like the first week of January. And I really liked it. Like, I thought, oh, this is I really, really liked it too. good to like force ourselves to like dedicate. So I'm already like. We should do that more than like every 16 weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm, so, I'm starting to feel that too. <laughs> yeah, so we might we might adjust it on the fly or see how it goes, but uh So I think I I think I'm struggling to like conceptualize this a little bit, right? So like Sorry, I did have a bad job explaining. It. So it's imagine 8 weeks of working mm-hmm. and then a catch-all week. But what is in what is a catch-all week like? What what goes in that? So I think that it, I think it actually means different things to Dan and I individually, which is like kind of awesome. So for me, I have a really hard time. I have a really easy time focusing and a really hard time getting my head out of the sand when we're working on like product development. So you know, like right now, we're doing product development, and so I, I'm like I ignore tons of stuff that I should be doing. Um, like maintenance stuff because I really am like focused on like goals, like internal goals to developing a product. And so I really felt like I needed a like boundary of like, okay, on this week, like you cannot work on the big projects that are like multi month projects that like have these very goals. So like for me and the like catch up, catch all week, I like cleaned the shop, cleaned my office, like made sure all my inbox was completely empty. Like, you know, did stuff. I think in the future, it will be like, do some maintenance on like internal tools or do some maintenance on maybe some app updates or like Dan said, email stuff. It's basically everything else that's not big product development for me. Uh, Dan, that's basically true too, except he has some other goals that he likes to do in his catch-up week, like marketing stuff, writing blog posts. So it's different for each of us, but it basically Mm -hmm. just means not working on the one or two or three big product development projects that are ongoing that we usually are kind of heads down on, like st- like not letting ourselves work on those. And uh, for me, it felt like super awesome to have that space uh, and to just, it feels really good to just like clear out all this crap. Uh, like, you know, all this stuff, it's not even crap. It's like, we need to do it. Or like inventory, you know, like making sure all our inventory is in good shape. It's just stuff like that where it's easy to keep pushing it off because it's not top priority. Um, and so we just always like keep pushing that stuff off. And so we're trying to figure out ways to make sure there's time for the either meta work or just smaller projects or things that are like maintenance. Um, so almost even maintenance week might be the best way to describe it in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we're, uh, I'm glad that Dan, we haven't really talked about that much, but I'm glad Dan that you feel, I felt really good about it too. Um, so Mm. yeah, I, it's, that part's good. I, you know, obviously vacation, I mean, and it's not radical. Like what? It's like happens four times a year. It's not four weeks of vacation. Yeah. It's not like yeah. Ins- yeah. You know, it's, not like, it's not like we're <laughs> insane or anything. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that's. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty pumped about it. I think we will want to tweak it. Uh, I mm-hmm. but um, I th- I'm glad we're doing it. Like I'm I'm I like the structure. I think it's good. All right. So I have two I have two questions on this. Right. One is, uh, are you like? Are you saving things? Like, does a thing come up and you write it down and you're like, that's going to be when I get to the catch-all? And then two, kind of on the same point, is there a risk that, like, there are things that you're just going to put off where maybe you shouldn't? 
because you're like, oh, I'll just get to it then. Possibly. Uh, yeah. So to answer the first question, yes, we have a like a shared document where we just uh, store ideas for, oh, this would be good to work on during the catch-all week. Um, the second question, I think it remains to be seen. I mean, we've already kind of given ourselves permission. This is, this isn't exactly what you asked, but, um, like stuff doesn't have to stay confined into the week. So if we're like working on some marketing thing and it's like, oh, this is really good. And, you know, Friday rolls around and we're not finished yet. Like it's, it's fine if we, you know, continue it into the next week. We don't have to wait 16 weeks to, uh to like work on it again. Uh, so I think just like the important thing of these weeks is like the permission it grants us to work on these things. And uh, I think that will start a kind of mindset to where hopefully we don't do what you said might happen where mm-hmm. we're, we're like kind of intentionally pushing things off uh, when we shouldn't be. Um, but that remains to be seen. And maybe, I, I don't know. I could, I like, I could totally see us. Like if we really love how this is working, like doing a catch all week, like every four weeks or something, yeah. you know, like, yeah. uh, so it's, it's in an experimental phase right now, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll change it as we go. And do you, do, I mean, are you working on the same stuff or are you working on different things? Like the two of us? The two of you. Yeah. Usually different things. Yeah. Usually different. Because that's like, you know, we have very different tasks in general. Like, they're split usually very, like, very much. And so it's rare that we both need to actually be working on the same thing. Because, like, I, I don't know. Like, I can tell that you're both really excited about it right now. But honestly, what it sounds to me like, eventually, this just becomes the week where you do all the crap you actually didn't want to do. Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's not, that's not really, yeah, so... So a good example is like blog posts, uh, like Uh I guess content marketing is another way to uh, (laughs) describe that. But usually those are pretty fun and I enjoy doing them. Um, But the reason we don't do them more is they don't feel, uh, I I don't want to say as important, but it's like, there's like always a little bit of guilt or something. Yeah, when you do them, it's like, oh, should they I be are, like doing this? Value adds is what they are, right? Link. Yeah, you know, it's like, what is it? What does it actually do? You know, it's it's difficult to tell sometimes. Yeah, there. I mean, there's yeah, and there's like a there's a there's an an inherent risk, and that's like, oh, if like you know this post falls flat and nobody picks it up, then it like you know is quote unquote a waste of time. But you have to like accept that, and uh, you know they're not all gonna work. Um, and so I felt that already, like, again, we've only done this once, uh, like we've only had one week, but it just felt, it felt noticeably different to have that construct of like, it is okay to like do this thing. That is what this week is designed for. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I liked it. So it, you know, like I said, it remains to be seen, but so far so good. So what's really difficult, I think, are unique about us is it's very difficult and maybe detrimental in some ways to place uh, time goals on design process and product development for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, like I think projects end up taking way, way longer than we want them to um, when we're doing big product development. But that's just because like we like it needs it needs to be like that. Like we want 
we want the freedom. Like, for instance, with this this thing that the members know about that we've been working on for a long time, we thought we were all done. We were going to make a Kickstarter video like in like late November. But then just recently, we like decided to redesign something huge about it. And I think that when that happens, and it almost always happens, it always feels really good. And it's like the right thing to do for the product. But if we had these like tight time goals associated with the products um, or the design process and development process, we like, we'll probably we would be less likely to do those really good things. So that's what's really tricky and like almost insidious about these big design the development product cycles is we can't bound them in time very easily. And so it's really easy for us to just keep putting off some little mini project that would fit in between them. Because it might be like, oh, well, we'll be done with this big product development in a month and then we can do that. But it might be four months from now. We don't know. So having these like purposeful stops where we just get out of that big product development cycle and then work on this other stuff. I think that that's why it's super valuable having those boundaries. It's not even about what we like or even what's most important. It's just like these big product development cycles like kind of take over our mind share. Uh, and so. It's nice, or at least for me, it's like nice to like just force myself to like turn those off. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. This is an interesting approach. Um, I don't know if it's a type of thing that I would really be able to do very well because mm-hmm. the nature of, of, of a lot of my work is a rigid schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like... I can't just be like, oh, I'll just record no podcast this week because I want to answer my email. Like that, because mm-hmm. yeah. th- then like, the, you know, my portion of the business, what well, I contribute towards the business just halts, right? Mm-hmm. And and I guess, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, there are ways I could do it. Like, so I could structure my backend tasks differently, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm keen to see how it goes for you because like, you both seem super excited about it right now, which is obvious and should be, right, if it's working for you. But, like, I, I really want to check in with this, like, as the year goes on because I really mm-hmm. can't shake this. Like, if I think about myself, like, I can really imagine myself just being, like, just piling up a bunch of crap that I don't want to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, I'll put this email in a folder and I'll get to it during, like, task week. <laughs> You know, because I know I how I am. I think it I helps am. that they're so far away. They're so spaced out. Like, if there was a catch-up week every three weeks, I think it's like, oh, that could maybe happen more. But the fact that they're so far away, it's it's tricky to, like, put some of that stuff off. And maybe if you can put it off that long, maybe it's, like, not important. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I imagine know. that yeah, we'll you see. would give yourselves the ability to, like, can the week if, like, you're gearing up on a project launch or something, right? Like, I assume that you would, you know, maybe shuffle things around a little bit. Like, maybe. okay, like let's, say you're, let's say you're two weeks away from a Kickstarter and the catch-up week is going to hit the week before, right? You would mm-hmm. probably want to move it, right? Maybe. I mean, who cares if it launches a week later? It's tricky. It's, it's we're, we're, like Dan said, we're so privileged to have such a flexible schedule. We don't have, like, clients. We don't know any of this stuff, so... It, that, that's why it can maybe work for us is because we don't have a lot of constraints on our schedule which is like mm-hmm. very purposeful on our part but um mm-hmm. i don't know we'll see i don't well, know what we'll about see. like okay so yeah i don't know how you feel to answer this type of question but like let's say that you're in a big delay right of, of a kickstarter right something's gone haywire 
you would probably yeah. want to move it then, right? Like I'm just saying, like. The, I see. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Yeah, I could see mm-hmm. if it's something customer mm-hmm. facing. I could see. Yeah, like I mean, and I, and we know that like there'll be times like yeah, if we're like in production on a product, and typically it'd be like hands off that product for this week. If there's something that like an email or something we need to handle, we'll handle it. You know, it's not like we need to be you know super uh, rigid about it. But yeah, and uh, so, are there any resources that you guys are following for this that like you can point people? Too, or or is it just no. basically what you've outlined? It's just what we outlined. I mean, we, you know, we got the idea from from Basecamp and Sean Blanc and okay. some other folks, but it's really just the idea of setting cyclical work schedules that are long term, like that are longer. And then we just thought about that more about, and really, Dan, I think, is the one that ended up finding the right mix of like you know weak stuff. But yeah, no. Uh, no real guides. However, yeah. for this other change we're making, this financial oh. change, there oh. is, there are guys. Segway. <laughs> well, so when Tom went to this, uh, the aforementioned uh, retreat in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, there was like a book, a book list uh, that emerged uh, that some folks there were recommending. And uh, so since I didn't go, I I read a few of the books uh, one of which was called uh, Profit First by a, uh, let me look it up, a gentleman named Mike Michalowicz. Michalowicz. Yeah, we'll go yeah. with that. And uh, this book is, I don't recommend reading it. No. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> like all business it books, is, uh, never well, read it is, it, Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it is one of those books that is what should have been a blog post expanded into like yeah, a 200-page yeah. book. So it's, it's like, like, come on. Here's four uh, but chapters I, about my personal history, which actually result in no meaningful yeah. learning from the book. Yeah. yeah. This is, a, okay, this book has a 4.9 out of 5 stars based on 604 customer reviews. Well, that's because uh, that's growth hacking your Amazon reviews, that, probably. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but anyways, the, the premise is extraordinarily simple where it's basically I mean it get you can make it kind of as complicated as you want but the idea is you have a business you have revenue coming in take the profit out first so by profit just like determine a percentage of like a percentage goal of profit and tuck that aside into a separate account and then run your business on the leftover money <laughs> instead of what most people do which is running your business on the money that's in your account and then hoping there's profit left afterwards. So it's just basically a way to trick yourself into uh, profiting. Uh, And so we are trying this because I think it's an interesting idea. And so along with that, we're kind of, and along with this profit for system, there's like an, an organizational, uh, structure that he recommends which is basically you have a bunch of different bank accounts that are doing different things so it's like let's have a bank account just for your like operational expenses and you know money goes in there and you can have like a tax accounts where all your taxes are set aside to go in there and we're not doing it quite as complicated as that but the idea of just keeping basically the way we've been doing things now is like a single bank account that everything is just dumped into and everything comes out of and we're interested in having that a little more organized. So for example, when we have a Kickstarter project, those funds will go into their own account and we'll kind of 
any expenditures for that project will go out of that account. So it'll just give us, I think, better visibility into kind of how that money is being spent. Um, but I think the 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 whole profit profit first premise, you know, taking the profit out first. Uh, I just think it's interesting, and there are there are tax reasons not to uh, raise our salaries, which we can get into if we want to, but uh, it's a way to kind of boost our earnings, I guess, uh, like without just raising our salaries, which would be one way to do it. Um, and so I don't, we've, we've kind of been like pretty stable these past, uh, few years in terms of kind of salary and stuff. So it was like, Hey, let's just try this and see, and see what happens. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. How does this change things though? Like, because if the profit will always be what the profit is, right? So let's say that, like... It's basically designed to squeeze operational expenses. Right. So the idea is to make... Is to force you to be lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we are extraordinarily lean. I think anyone would look at our company and be like, wow, you guys have like zero overhead. Um, so we are lean. Uh, and so I don't know if there'll be a ton of movement there. Um, but... I think it's just for us, like we were kind of planning on wanting to do something where we just had a little bit more visibility um, into like the thing that here's the thing that's so tricky about like us financially is we have a bank account that has like, you know, a lump of money in it. And the problem is we'll have like, oh, well, for this Kickstarter project like Panabook, today I'm going to write a $75,000 check. And so it's very easy for huge chunks of that money just to come out because of like we're ordering things. And so there's always like a little bit of anxiety of like, well, okay, we have enough money, but, you know, in nine months from now, is there going to be some like pinch because of, you know, we have to spend like just cash flow stuff. And so for me, I kind of like the idea of cordoning off, um, in an organizational way, some money into buckets so that some of that anxiety goes away. Like, for instance, one of the bank accounts is just for our salaries. And we'll have like a little minimum couple month, like rainy day that always stays in there. And then we'll deposit money after the profit comes out into that for our salaries. And then the rest basically goes to capital expenses, like a CapEx account. And so for me, just that right there, I mean, ir- irrespective of the, the taking the profit out first, just like cordoning off that money first, it just like reduces a lot of anxiety of like, okay, well, that's there. And now we can figure out what to do going forward. It just, it's kind of a way of like a planning uh, thing. So in general, I think we were both interested in just a little bit more organizational going on. And this profit first thing, um, I don't know, it just feels to me like it's a way to put a little bit of pressure on us and um, because we've been, you know, we've, we've had some rough years business wise, but the, a lot of that roughness is often it's, it's real, but it's often like, uh, perceived in a way because we're doing this like, well, we have this amount of money, which might seem like a decent amount of money, but we have to spend a lot of it in the next nine months. And so we don't, so sometimes we won't, we wouldn't pay it like a couple of years ago. We didn't pay ourselves several for several months because we thought we need we would need that cash 
But, you know, did we really need it, need to do that or not? It's tricky. And so this profit first, I think, at least for me, is a way to kind of just like guarantee that we're taking care of ourselves financially. And then and then then we can have some anxiety uh, if we need to with like ordering new parts or like, you know, all that capital expense stuff. So it kind of like kind of like segregates the the payroll anxiety from the like inventory ordering parts like uh anxiety (laughs) that doesn't probably make a lot of sense because it's like very particular to us but that's kind of for me the real advantage of the profit first thing um it kind of it changes where we're getting squeezed or like where our anxiety is getting placed if there's any if that makes any sense I think it's very particular to like our kind of business, really. It, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Again, like, if I could even think about this kind of thing in our business, I would just say, like, full disclosure, uh, Stephen does all of the money. So like I don't e- I don't even know if he does this already right like I have no idea uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know really how our system works well they should this book has four point nine stars out of five I, I am guess so. so but like I think that it's I think that acclaimed. we kind of split things out and then pay our expenses and then do whatever like I, I I don't think that we have a massively different system to something like this anyway because we are able to run very lean expenses because of the time yeah i mean what's interesting are. about your company is you don't unless i'm mistaken like is there any reason to ever like keep money in your bank account for uh, because you don't have uh investments really like when you're starting a new mm-hmm. show you don't there's no cost to that, really, right? No, not really. The the, the, the costs are very small and they're fixed. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we keep an emergency fund, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's kind of all we have, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't really... We, we don't have uh, big liabilities that mm-hmm. we might yeah. need, you know, we might need, like, a ton of cash for. Like, that's just not how our business runs, it, because we don't have uh, fixed employees, we don't, you know what I mean. Like we don't have uh, physical space. Like we don't have any of that because yeah. everybody's remote and yeah, everyone is on contract if on anything, right? Do you ever do you ever run into cash flow problems relating to like uh, sponsors being super late with uh, payments? No, is that ever an issue? No, no, because um, everyone pays pretty fine for us, honestly. Mm. It, it's That's to good. a surprising level. Uh, I would have expected we would have had more problems than we have had, and we've barely had any. We've had nothing ever significant go go mm-hmm. bad. Um, and the thing is, like everyone has their own payment schedule. Like I learned that before I started this business, right? Like I learned that from yep. working in a big company. You can put 30 days on an invoice, but like it will take <laughs> as long as it takes to get paid because companies have their systems, right? Like yeah. if you're dealing with Jane in marketing, like she's going to send it to Bob in finance and like it will take as long as it takes Bob to process that invoice. And like you can like yeah. 
bash the door down, but it's not going to change the process, right? Like you can chase people, but like, so again, they are responsible. We do use some fresh books, have a great feature that I love, which is they show you how long it takes a company to typically pay you. Like that oh, company's specific cycle. Like average. Right. So yeah. like I just follow that. And like if we have company A and they take us sixty days to pay and we're at seventy days, I might just send them an email and be like, Did you like is there a problem? Something like, happened. You know, like, or yeah. then I'll check mm-hmm. and see, like, did they ever even open the invoice? And sometimes it just got lost, right? Like, there's, nobody ever opened yep. it, so we just resent it or whatever. But mm-hmm. because of our history and stuff and how long we've been running and kind of how many companies that we work with, there is a consistent flow of money, mm-hmm. right? And we don't have a company that, like, we are so intrinsically linked to that we are waiting on massive checks comparative to everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone is just paying monthly because that's how we do things. And the money just flows through. And like you can have every single company be three months late, but they're always mm-hmm. paying. There's always someone paying every month, even if it's three months late. So like it was tricky in the beginning. Right, because we had to get into that pattern, but now it's kind of like we are exactly. we are surprisingly consistent month on month mm-hmm. as to what comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just you know our, our businesses are like so incredibly different. That, so you know, different. It just doesn't yeah, because I yeah. assume <laughs> that you guys are like there is a consistent level of money, but it's the peaks that drive everything through for the rest of the year right yeah so it's not even the revenue side that's the that's pretty predictable it's really just you know uh when that revenue ebbs and flows with when we have to reorder stuff and those aren't really predictable so it's that's what can just get really tricky you know and especially around like a kickstarter project or something where we'll be putting out you know sometimes like you know two hundred thousand dollars you know, it's it's like a lot of cash going out the door. It's like, oh. <laughs> so it's like, it's like you know, for a long time, you know, like with our Kickstarter, it's like, you know, you look in the bank account, it's like, wow, there's a lot of money in there. And it's like, well, yeah, well, we haven't paid basically for anything in the Kickstarter. And, we, you know, we know that will cost like $200,000. So it's like, well, <laughs> this will all be gone soon. See you later, money. So that's what's so, tr- you know, that's what's so tricky about us is like, it's, uh, and that's why like taking out, like, for instance, like, with the Kickstarter, like, you know, this this profit percentage we're going to be taking out is going to be small. So, but, like, taking the profit out of, like, a Kickstarter campaign first is going to be very strange. Like, whoa, this is very weird to do. Um, but I think, it like, makes sense to do. It's a very small percentage, so it's not crazy. But, so, yeah, it will be, I, it'll be interesting to see what that feels like. We'll see. And that's the, that's the thing is we can just adjust that percentage, too. Like, so that, you know, we can make it to where it basically doesn't matter or it really does matter. And we haven't really, you know, been far enough down this road to really know what what that's like. And this so. might be a dumb question, right? But I assume the reason you're doing this is that you can then pay yourselves more, right? Like, I assume that's the reason you do this. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to be a small percentage. So I don't know. I think it's I'm more curious just about like, because what happens you know, what we do 
we we often end up taking a draw above our salaries like at the end of the year or something if we have money left over or well kind of um and so we kind of do this in a way we just do it on the the others on the end you know um and so uh i think just doing it first i don't know i think it will just to me honestly it like will re- it just like will make things more clear it's like mm-hmm. clarity i think the point of this the profit first thing is to to grow your profit percentage and like really focus on that um i think for us the, the main benefit is literally just clarity like clarity of things Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. If you want to find more about this show, go to relay.fm slash tc slash 34. And if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend.